Have you ever thought about your rights and freedoms regarding your money and its impact by legislation from all levels of government? Welcome to the Information Edge with your host, Darren Yancey. Darren has over 40 years of experience in key sectors of the economy, and he's been knee-deep in politics for over a decade. He's going to get into detail on these sectors, the politics surrounding them, what they mean to you, and how you can protect yourself and be involved. Now, live from Texas, your host, Darren Yancey. Ah, welcome, and it's Good Friday, along with a lot of other stuff. So, my friends, he has risen, so why are you asleep? And believe me, I could bring out my preaching brethren, and we could get into the Bible, and we could talk about all your sins being washed away. I could go down that path, but I'm not going to, because i got another topic. If it was Sunday, I'd bring it out, and I'd preach. Um, I actually considered that once upon a time, but I am a Christian. A lot of you are Christian out there. And for those of you that are not Christians, we forgive you anyway. We know we're going to bring you into the fold, but he is risen. This is good. This is good Friday and being asleep. We're going to go on that. I'm going to talk about it for just a second before we go on being asleep means, are you doing enough to defend your Lord and savior? In other words, do you admit to being a Christian? Do you defend being a Christian? Do you defend others that are Christians? Are you walking in the line of Christ? The Lord knows that I try and <laughs> I, unfortunately the body doesn't come with those little sensors. Like you get in the car. This is, Oh, don't do that. Bring it back in this lane. You have to, you have to be diligent. It's not easy, but it's got a great reward because the great thing is look, when the time comes for this body to expire, you're going to go to another level of existence. Now, which level of existence you go to has a lot to do with what you do while you're here, but that relationship that you have is important. It's, it's a, it's, it's a key lock to go to that right plane of existence. Although I, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm a firm believer that God wants all of his children, all of his children to walk down that path of righteousness. Even the ones who have strayed in horrible and horrendous things. I do believe he wants to bring them back in the fold. I don't believe there's any, lack of forgiveness. I don't believe there's internal, eternal damnation. I know people say, well, that's not what's in the Bible. Well, folks, guess what? The Bible was written by man. Did he have divine intervention? Well, sure he did. Did, did man take a little bit of uh, poetic licensing in writing the Bible? Probably. There's probably, we already know from the Dead Sea Scrolls that there's books that were written that aren't in the current Bible. Why? Because they had erased the scurry. So, I love the Bible. The Bible is a good guide, but you know, is it, is it God's hand? I no, I think it's God's influence to man's hand. And sometimes man wrote what he heard. And sometimes man, went, well, maybe this is my interpretation, but it is that weekend. It's time to celebrate. And it's funny that this happens on the 15th of April this year, which traditionally is the due date for your taxes. And I've always, I've always wondered, do we have it wrong? We call April 1st, April fool's day. And we call April 15th tax day. I think they should be one in the same. I think April 15th should be, you're a fool. If you're paying the taxes under this system, <laughs> we'll see how long I stay on air for that one. But really, I mean, stop and think about it with, with what's happening in our government and the spending that's going about. It's not following the constitutional uh, guidelines is it's not doing what we want as a representative republic and we have to change that 
that's part of why I do this show. I, this, this show is not a profit center for me. This show is what I do as a public service for the time that I've had um, both in politics and as a private citizen. So it's important to know those things. So yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about today. Today's that Easter weekend, but it's, it's, it's traditionally tax day. Now, because it's Easter, well, you got your taxes got pushed off a couple of more days. You got a couple more days. You don't have to write that check. Maybe you, maybe this year you got some money back. That's great. I hope you did. Hope you got lots of money back. Um, We've got to do some things about our, how our federal government spends money. I'm not opposed to, how our, uh, to the federal government spending money. I want to be sure I'm clear on that. Because there's things that we do need to make investment in. We're going to spend a big chunk of time on that today. But I think we've got to be more careful in how we spend our dollars. Because right now, I mean, we got, dr- and, I, and I, I hate to use the word drunken sailor. I think it is a slang towards the U.S. Navy. Um, some of the, the sailors have gotten reputations in time that they can't handle alcohol or they imbibe too much and they go out and cause problems. Well, I want to change that saying right now we've got spending like drunken politicians, like drunken Nancy Pelosi, who gets out just it's Nancy. She's been having vacuum. Well, she's that hag's got to go. I've been reading social media. You know, we need to have term limits and age limits. I agree with that. I think it's time for constitutional amendments. We've got to get energized and electric, and we've got to find a way to come together on uh, the both sides of the aisle. Okay, there's common ground between conservatives and liberals. We just have to find it, and I think there's ways to do these things. I I don't think you know a liberal might want they want social spending, they want this that, but do they want irresponsible spending in other areas that would affect their social programs? Probably not. I bet you could get somebody to come together on that. I would be willing to bet that there's certain liberals and we know conservatives that don't want to see people just on there forever and ever that don't do any good. I think there's a few areas we could come together on and pass things. Like, for example, right now we need to look at an Article 5 convention. We've got a lot of states that are, are, are coming on board, blue states as well as red states. We need more. If we get 34 states, there's an Article 5 convention. Everybody says, well, if you do an Article 5 convention, that means they rewrite the Constitution. Uh, No, it does not. Read your Constitution. What it does allow is it allows the states vis-a-vis Article 5 of the Constitution to go in and hold a convention where they are putting forth legislation and they vote on it or they can pass it on to the regular Congress, but those bills have the weight of the states behind them. They cannot make a constitutional amendment unless everybody comes together on that. Constitutional amendments are different than just passing laws. And you got to know what the difference is of those. Matter of fact, if you go, um, go to convention of states, you need to read more about it to go through because right now I, I really hope we can come together and clean house on both sides of the aisles. we got a lot of bad legislators. we got a lot of bad people in the House representative, a lot of bad people in the Senate. And I'm talking from both parties, just as worthless as, as well, you know what, on a boar hog. They just don't do their job. They get up there and, and they forget what, what the, the oaths that they office that they have taken. we got to change that. we got to put, put the fear of God in these folks and get them out of office and get some people in. And this has got to have a shorter cycle to it. Part of the problem, I don't know how many of you have actually been to Washington, D.C., and actually been inside the Capitol and been through the halls of Congress. 
But when that building was built, it was a different era of architecture, okay? And the things that were put in that building that adorn it and make it ornate, really, if you spend too much time in it, it warps your mind. I honestly can understand how after 10, 15, 20 years, someone thinks, well, I look at these walls and I am a king and I am a queen and therefore you are my subjects and I shall tax you to whatever program I want to spend money on. It can really warp your mind because it is that extravagant, it's that lavish. Now, of course, modern architecture and government buildings has went the other way. I mean, you almost could call it brutalism, <laughs> just, just ugly. I think we should have some happy mediums. But we've got to get these people out. This was never designed to be a professional career. It was never designed to be paying benefits. It was never designed to be paying retirement. It wasn't designed to be paying protection under the Secret Service for, for presidents after they're gone. I'm sorry. That's a bunch of wasted taxpayer dollars. We need someone. We need an accountant that works on the south side of Chicago that doesn't take any nonsense to go in and just absolutely mutilate the books and get some things changed because folks, we do have some money that needs to be spent and it needs to be spent in some very specific areas. And we've got to go back and look at the, the politics of our policies as a nation really for the last quarter century and examine them very hard because there've been some very bad decisions made. Now, part of what you've seen with what's been going on with Russia, Ukraine, Joe versus Vlad, is a continuation of policies that really started in the 70s where we started to, as a nation, a group of individuals wanted us to be sparkly and clean and everything frilly. And, and, and if it's dirty or, or it makes a mess or it's got all up, well, we don't want that here anymore. And while they didn't come out and say that in mass in public, because people would have went, hey, I, that's what I do for a living. But that's what started happening from a policy standpoint. You see, people, and I've, I've done this in prior episodes, um, Russia and Vladimir Putin, that's a, that's a monster that was built. And America provided the parts. America provided the outsourcing. And we provided the, a, an economic tool and infrastructure to build that beast because we put a halt on building new refineries, we put a cap on what our energy companies could do. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know that we have more coal than any other nation on the planet? We can power our nation for several hundred years. Do you know why it's not being used? Because the current political claptrap thinks that it's, it's bad for the environment. Well, if you just belch coal out without any filters, absolutely. There's technologies today in carbon capture systems that can be added to coal systems, part of new uh, coal energy plants that'll capture all that pollution. And that product can be used to help make additional products that, by the way, happen to be green. Algae-based fuels love carbon. Eats it up. Burp. They love the stuff. And you can grow another fuel with it. Not using our heads there. We're either the first or the second largest producer of natural gas on the planet. I think it's, it's close between us and Russia. We stopped building natural gas-fired plants a decade ago. A decade ago. How ridiculous is that? Why? 
well, it's 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 a byproduct of oil and and well, we got a frack and oh, the earth this is this. that's a bunch of BS. Okay, the reality is the green team green doesn't like the control of the money that comes from fracking. If you want to talk about rape of the natural environment, go look at what it takes to make a cobalt battery that is used in electric cars. It is a thousand times worse than what is done in drilling for oil and or gas or the fracking process. It's much worse. The environment recovers from drilling. You can do it and it'll bring it up and you've got a stable environment when you're mining. You're just taking away layers of dirt and going down and going down and going down. It's a hor- it's a horrific process. And that's what's being licensed right now in the open market to try to push electric cars. I've said on this show and others, my biggest issue with electric cars is the battery process. Change the battery, change that technology. I'll get on board with it. I don't have a problem with an electrified vehicle. I have a problem with the way how you're powering this current generation of electric vehicles. It is far worse than anything that we could do on the energy side. But these policies, let me get back to the, the, my point. The policy was we started, we started exporting our ability to be energy independent. We started over the last really 40 years, we've started putting forth policies that were to not our best interest from energy. And that started bleeding over into manufacturing. April 6, 2020, if you go to informationedge.net uh, and go to my site, go to the blog on April 6, 2020, I did how we got away from made in the USA. Now, the reason I want to spend some time on this today is Joe Biden about a year ago came out and said, well, we need to take away manufacturer liability for firearms manufacturers. Uh, They should be liable for all the stuff they do. And we're going to dig into why that's such an idiotic comment from this fool, but it has far reaching ramifications. If it ever became, if it ever became uh, legislatively feasible. Okay. The problem that we've got is we have to have a manufacturing base. And what has happened is we've allowed other countries, it's not allowed. We have given away our manufacturing base because of the same people that didn't like us processing and refining our own energy here is the same bunch of, I don't, I don't want to be insulting. We'll just call them, um, environmentally conscious folks that said, well, we just can't have this manufactured here because it does harm to this. It does harm to that. And, and, and let's be honest. There was a, a time in American manufacturing where just about everything that we touched was harmful in one way, whether it was pollutants, whether it was something that was coming out in the water, the process from safety, there was a time and that had to be fixed. But we are in the golden age right now of a technology where everything that could possibly come out can come out. And I will tell you right now, what you're looking at is a wonderful process where manufacturing technology is, I want to say it's at its apex because I think it could continue to improve, but there's things we can do now that 40 years ago just wasn't environmentally feasible. So we started phasing out our environment. What, and it started a little, a little at a time. It started in the car industry. Okay. Um, you really got to go back and look at the automobile is where it all started. The automobile was the biggest, the automobile that was created by Henry Ford has transformed the world. The American industry is car culture and car centric. And from that, we exported that project process around the world, revolutionized everything. And it was something that became very critical, not only to our economy, but effectively our infrastructure. We built an entire infrastructure around the automobile 
and the transportation system. Well, the problem was there were some problems with labor. We all know there were problems with labor. We know that there were strikes. We know unions came about. And out of that turmoil, we created a great middle class. The automobile was the cornerstone of that, but it, it was not restricted that. Got into construction, got into trucking, any, any type of trade, electrical trade, plumbing trade, things that you're working with your hands, things that you've got to go out and make, not sitting behind a desk polishing a seat with your ass. And that is what made America great. It made the average working man the capability of whether they were unionized or not to go out and earn a living, buy a home, buy a vehicle, have a family. And that was the American dream. Now, that dream has been polluted because of political policies. You see, you have to go, go back in the 70s when at the time we were coming out of the horsepower wars with the cars, building just magnificent things. But we had OPEC on the horizon that one day said, oh, you know, if we slow production and jack up prices, we'll make more money. And they did. They clipped us and clipped us hard. And we got into the first the first energy crunch in the 70s. So what happened was those big behemoths out there weren't available anymore. And all of a sudden, there was, a, there was manufacturers of smaller, more, more efficient cars that came in. GM and Ford and Chrysler were behind the ball, and they got clipped. They got clipped hard, okay? They got clipped hard. And you go back and you look at some of the, the policies, okay? I'm going to tell you something. U.S. politicians have screwed up our economy more than anything in the world. If you run into somebody that tells you that a tariff is a bad thing, that we need to have um, free trade and fair trade, that is a load of horse scat. Bottom line is, it needs to be America first, last, and always. And our political, our political processes in terms of policies need to reflect that. So, for example... One of the things that scared the living people out of uh, living daylights out of uh, folks when Trump was in office is that he hit China with tariffs. And you know what? They paid them, paid huge tariffs. And that needs to be the case. If we've got a nation paying slave labor rates, and I've got people over here that need to make 25, 30, 45 an hour, and we can't pay them that because they're paying slave labor rates in another country, you need to put a tariff, a tax on that to make it equal for my U.S. producer that is manufacturing, taking risks, doing payroll, doing things for this country on the internal and keep that other product out. Now, if, if we make the bars even on cost, then it boils down to quality. I'm hoping my Team, team USA is making a better product, and I'm hoping that Team USA's audience wants an American-made product. But that policy wasn't happening in the 70s. We had people, we had jackasses sitting around going, well, we need fair trade. We should let these guys come in. They almost bankrupted the U.S. car system. We used to have the big three, big four, big five. Now we've got every form of auto manufacturing in the United States. Now, I'm not saying that this is an inferior system. Maybe it was a better system. But we crippled, look at what Detroit once was and look at what it is now. That's because of U.S. policy. Now, there's a reason I'm bringing this up. You can't, 
if you hear people say, well, we can't have a protectionist view. We have to be on the global stage. These are people who are anti-American, who are on the take, and you need to slap that some bitch in the mouth. They are not in America's best interest. And I don't care, male, female, whatever you want to call yourself, Democrat, Republican, Green Party, Libertarian, I don't care. If you're not looking out for America first, you're worthless. If we've got China right now that has got a labor deficit, and, and you got to, folks, we've outsourced so much stuff. NAFTA was a huge sucking sound of manufacturing now, but we not only went, did that, the Clintons got them in the International Monetary Fund. Ladies and gentlemen, just as Russia was built on energy, that beast, the U.S. built the Chinese beast. We built that. Because a group of people said, well, we don't want manufacturing here. We don't want refining here because that's just that's so blasé. And, and that's that's bourgeois. And that's working class. And we don't want that here. Well, folks, that's what built this country is the working class. And the problem is, is what's happened is the working class has lost opportunity. They've lost jobs. From 2007 to 2013, we had a huge sucking sound of manufacturing coming out of the United States. Huge. Now, part of it in the latter part of the 2007-08, obviously, the, you know, the economic meltdown, but part of it was just continuation of bad policies. Ladies and gentlemen, President Clinton, Bush, and Obama followed economic policies where it was more tax, tax advantage to a corporation to ship out jobs. As far as I'm concerned, all three should be lined up and caned. I'd like worse, but I'm not going to say it on air. Folks, we've been sold out by the globalists. And whether you like Vladimir Putin or not, the guy's not about being a globalist. He's about taking care of Russia and Russia first. And why I don't like some of the things that he's done, you know what I admire? I admire that he puts his people and his economy first, and he doesn't give a rat's ass whether or not you like it. And ladies and gentlemen, that's how it should be. That's how it should be for our policies. See, the problem that we've got in with U.S. manufacturing decline, it's really right now, it's actually, it's, it's a threat to our defense. It's a threat to national security right now. Go back and look at what have we learned in these two major economic shocks in the last two years. COVID was the first one. This thing, the fuel deal with Russia has been really the second. What did we learn with COVID? Well, we learned our supply chain has issues where we're too far spread out from our centers for goods and services, i.e. too reliant on China and the Far East. We learned that real fast. Why? Because all those places shut down. And we found out, oh, crap. We rely on them for this. We rely on them. So we've got to go get more manufacturing. Now, there's some of it's come through. We're seeing some potential chip manufacturing come in in the United States, which has got to happen. We In the 90s, the U.S. was at the top of electronics. And then towards the end of the 90s, Asia started coming on, and they, and they just conceded the electronics industry to Asia was, was terrible. Economic policy through our federal government could have avoided that. They could have avoided that with tariffs. 
They didn't do it. Why? Because these son of a bitches are bought and sold by foreign nations. It's got to stop. It literally must stop. So what's the other problem that we have? Well, not only do we, we find out that we were relying on someone in a, in a pandemic, we don't have things. Now we come along in a situation like we've had with Russia. Okay. And folks, Russia's been the world's gas stop for a long time. This is nothing new. This was simply something that went back to 2014 when Biden being part of Team Obama started doing some things he shouldn't have done. This is all right now, ladies and gentlemen, all this stuff that we're seeing. And I've done two other, three other episodes on this. This is all about, this is about money laundering your tax dollars. Why are they spending 14 billion plus other armaments for Ukraine? Why are we not sending that money down south? Why are we not putting that money in our infrastructure? Ladies and gentlemen, we had an infrastructure bill passed this last year that 91% of a trillion dollar plus bill did not go towards roads and bridges and ports and items of that nature that were traditionally infrastructure. It was a port project. Everybody that signed off on that needs to be removed from office. It was a horrible bill. If we actually put a trillion dollars in our true infrastructure, I am for that. Because that means we're making investments in roads and bridges, byways, highways, motorways, waterways, ports, all those things, airports, helipads. We're doing it where we can do business. That's not what that bill was. That was a horrible bill, terrible bill. And they held it as a uh, bipartisan success. What a success. It's an absolute travesty. And we have to have that spending on these type of things. But I keep coming back to manufacturing. I come back to refining. Things that we have to do made in the USA. And the reason it's a big concern to me right now, because a year ago, Joe Biden came out and said, well, we need to take away manufacturer liability for firearms. Of course, everybody went, and of course, with his policies piling up, being failure after failure after failure, I mean, their, their base is even going, oh, my God, we voted for this fool. And, and his numbers are tanking. Well, what do you do if you're a liberal and you know your numbers are tanking? Well, first off, you go start a war. That's what he's done. That's not working. Um, he's thrown out student loans. Oh, well, we'll do more student loan forgiveness. Well, that's not working. So what do they trot out now? Hatred of guns. Let's go after the guns. Let's, let's remove all protection, all liability protection for the firearms manufacturer. Now, first off, understand, folks, firearms manufacturers have liability for the products they produce in terms of products defects. Any manufacturer on this planet has it, especially U.S. manufacturers. And there's a reason for that, and it's called our law lobby. Uh, lawyers have basically, they're the reason that you pay what you pay because and there's a reason. Part of it that we, part of the problem that we've had, and we're coming up on a hard break and I'll come back to it, is not only we had political policy that is basically runoff manufacturing, runoff refining, but we've allowed the lawyer lobby to just run amok over these industries. And we're going to talk more about it. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. 
pay a few bills. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast with Darren Yancey on Voice America, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K. on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America business channel voice america programs are now available on your favorite connected device including amazon alexa and google home through streams with apple podcasts tune in and iHeartRadio. listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast hey alexa play finding your frequency podcast if that doesn't work try adding on tune in or on iHeartRadio or on apple podcasts When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5789. That's 1-866-472-5789. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now back to the Information Edge. All right, folks, welcome back to the Information Edge podcast. Um, We've been talking today about made in the USA, refined in the USA. And it's, it's, it's a problem that is reaching. I think people now starting to realize we've got to make some serious policy changes but you need to understand how these policies got their way in the first place so that you have enough information when you're choosing political candidates and you're having this conversation, you've got information that chances are they've never even had discussed. You know, I go back to what happened in the seventies with uh, the oil embargo. That, that was a, that was a first critical thing that happened, but we also had a lot of liability suits Um, from lawyers that devastated manufacturing as well, devastated refining and energy production. 
and encouraged people to leave the friendly shores of the United States, which could have been changed with state and national laws. Now, understand, I'm not saying, don't confuse this. I'm not saying that someone making a product that damages someone shouldn't be responsible for that. But it also depends on how that's done. If you make something and it blows up or it's a defective, yeah, there's strict liability on that. But even then, I think there's got to be caps on it. And you've got to look at what the benefit of what that industry does to the overall good for the nation. Is there enough competition? There's another thing, you know, competition breeds better products. But we've gotten away from that. We've gotten away to try where the government is trying to select winners and losers. And that's a bad thing that free market's got to do that. And in the 90s, we started seeing an uptick. NAFTA was a big part of it, took a big thing. And then that just kept on going more tax incentives. So what's happened is we bled manufacturing drive. We bled refining drive. We put ourselves in a position where we are vulnerable as a nation from an energy production standpoint. And we are vulnerable as a nation for goods and services from a manufacturing standpoint. Now, Mr. Biden comes along and says, well, good manufacturers need to be liable for harm that's done with their guns. If I'm firing a gun and the firing mechanism comes back and blows my hand off because it's a defective product, I agree with that statement. What, what Mr. Biden's going through is, let's say, Remington Arms put together um, a, a, a rifle, a, a multi-magazine rifle, and they sell it to a dealer. And that dealer does a background check on someone because today you can't go in and buy a gun without a background check. You just could do that. You can't do that anymore. Don't care what they tell you. You cannot buy a gun without a background check. And if you're a license holder of a CDL, you went through an extensive background check to get that. So all this lies in the press, lies. Folks, we, we have ATF licenses. Now, I'm just telling you, they're lies. But the reality is what Joe Biden has put out there is so stupid. I don't think there's a, I think it comes out of the house because the house is just a bunch of idiots right now. Oh, let's crank it out. I don't think it gets by the Senate. But let's talk about if it did, because there's, his statement, it's not just ramifications for the firearms industry. Because if I can say, well, I made this, I sold it to a dealer, dealer does, does what he's supposed to do, and somehow that product goes out and kills someone, that the dealer and or the manufacturer need to be licensed or liable. Well, the dealer's got enough liability. I mean, if he did everything he was supposed to do legally, he should have no liability. You, and this is something that we cannot get our liberal gun-grabbing folks to understand. You cannot legislate evil. You just simply can't do it. There are some people in the world that want to do harm. They're, they've got Satan on their shoulder. They're giving through. They'll find them all the ways to get through the cracks. Because it's not a perfect system. It's a good system, though. And they go do harm. And then all hell breaks loose. Well, we got to outlaw guns. First, I'm going to tell you something. We're not going to outlaw guns. You'll break up the nation or you'll start a civil war. It's that simple. It's not going to happen. It is, it's part of our American culture. And we're going to have our guns. We're going to be able to use them. Uh, we'll punish the ones that break through. But if you try to take them or outlaw them, you just, you're, you're inviting a war. There's, there's no other way to put it. And it won't be a, um, a long, prolonged war. It'll be quick, bloody, and over. So start using your sense. The problem that these people have to understand, they keep saying, well, we need this. We need Enforce the laws that you have. Understand it's not perfect. But here's the biggest problem with what Joe Biden put together. 
okay? And I want to really focus on, I'm not talking about a safety issue. That's strict liability. You put out a bad product, it blows up. You're going to pay for that. He's talking about a marketing responsibility in terms of waiver of liability. He doesn't like that product. And let's talk what that product is. He's talking an M40 style uh, or AK style vehicle, an, an assault rifle style vehicle that has a, a magazine with multiple shots. They don't like it. Well, guess freaking what? Tough ninnies. We do. Especially in the point of time when we have advocates for defunding police, early release, no bail. Uh, you're letting people come across our properties from the South. No, we're going to defend ourselves. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. And if you try here, here's, here's what that happened. Let's say they did, did that. First off, the manufacturing in the United States on guns would cease and go across the border. And then the guns would be imported by dealers. Price of guns go up, but you're not going to stop them. It would have an impact. I'm not going to lie to you, but you're not going to stop them. You're simply going to put another sector of manufacturing out of business. You're going to put more people out of jobs. But it goes way, way beyond this. You see, if you have that kind of logic that a manufacturer who sells. Now, if a manufacturer is selling direct, that's a different story. I could see that. But these products aren't sold direct. They're sold to ATF, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, licensed individuals or licensed entities who in turn enforce the law. Everybody that buys a gun gets a background check. And I don't hear, well, they don't go to the gun show. Yeah, you do. They still fill out the forms. If you if you don't have a license, you know, it, it I'm telling you, you can't do it. Now, if it's individual to individual, that's really the only unregulated area. And I know they want to stop that, something fierce. But that's an individual's right if they want to sell that property. Are you going to regulate how I sell my car? If I want to sell it, are you going to regulate how I sell uh, my chainsaw? I've got tools that are, are far more harmful than a gun. You're going to regulate how I, if I decide I want to sell that, I, I go on Craigslist. You're going to try to regulate that? No, there's enough regulation. Bad people sometimes get a hold of legal firearms and do bad things, but more bad people get a hold of black market firearms and do horrible things. Criminals don't give a rat's ass about gun liability laws, background checks, or what have you, because they can go get there. There's so many guns in the world. You cannot stop criminals from getting guns. You just, you just can't. There's ways to smuggle them across, buy them. In, I mean, it, it's just an impossible process. We, we've spent trillions of dollars since Ronald Reagan on the war on drugs and war on gun, we've made no effective dent. There's too many out there. And people say, well, if we stop manufacturing them in the United States, well, no, it won't. They'll be manufactured in other areas of the world, I promise you, and they'll still find their way in, and the bad guys will still get them, and they'll still have the ammo. So what all you'll do is you'll eliminate an honest, taxpaying citizens of business 
to defend themselves with a gun. You do it enough where enough people are lost, then they come after the legislators. You better be listening because we're not, we're not mumbling anymore. We're not whispering anymore. We're talking about this out loud as in we're pissed off and we're tired of it. But it goes beyond, it goes beyond the gun industry. Let's say, for example, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Let's say they don't like a Shelby GT Mustang with all the trimmings. You know, rest me red color. Oh, baby, and that black interior. I'm just talking, it's boss. Melts the tires. And somehow they've gotten a hold of statistic that that series of cars shows up in more drunk driving accidents than anything else. And therefore, they're going to sue the Ford Motor Company every time someone is drunk and has an accident and kills somebody. Because they don't like what Ford put out. It's too sexy. It's too fast. It maneuvers too well. It's dangerous for the average driver. That's a race car. You can't have it on American roads. There's the argument. There's the argument. And they go out and they say, we want legislation that eliminates any and all liability protections against the Ford Motor Company because they produce the Mustang. Now, what, what do you think Ford's going to do? Do you think Ford's going to stop producing the Mustang? Or are they going to set up an offshore affiliate that does all the manufacturing, rebrands it, calls it something else, brings it into dealers and distributors who then have a slew of waivers and tests that they administer, increasing the cost of the car so that it's now no longer the Ford Mustang. It's the Rio Bravo Bronco. And why would they do that? Because the United States car market is the largest in the world. Our culture is cars and sex appeal and speed sells. They're not going to stop. But it goes beyond that. What it does is any manufacturer that has a buffer, what's called a distributor, and they sell to the distributor, when the distributor puts product out there, that means now that anything that happens with that product outside of defect, they're responsible for it. And you go, well, you can't do that. Well, no, 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 no. Wait a second. That's what Joe says. That's what Joe Fool says. U.S. gun manufacturers, they need to be liable for that gun killing somebody. Even though they made it and sold it to the dealer, and the dealer sold it to the end user and did all of the legal steps they want the manufacturer liable for. Well, if you're going to do that, then Ford and Chevy, or GM as we should call them, and Chrysler are liable for every death every time somebody kills somebody in a car because they made that car. Are you starting to see how stupid that is? 
what if you're in the cutlery business and you make the most fantastic cutlery knives out there, chef's quality, they're served, they're used in five-star restaurants all over the world. I'm talking some nice stuff. I'm talking something you could split a hair on. They weigh nice. They feel good in your hands. You can do that, chopping around. Those people manufacture. They sell them to a distributor. That distributor then sells them to the public. What, what, what happens when, when Johnny B. Evil, he gets a hold of a, of a piece of cutlery and he does horrible atrocities with it? Is that cutlery company now responsible for that death? Well, if you take Joe Biden's logic, they'd have to be. And who do you think is going to make this argument, folks? The American trial lawyers. I guarantee you right now, when Joe comes out and makes those statements, somewhere there's a lawyer going, oh, oh. They're, they're having a little bit of a, little bit of a, uh, an orgasm. I hate to use that term. They're going, oh, my God. Do you know what we'll do <laughs> if he gets that law through? Oh, my God, we're, 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 we're going to be richer than we are now. Now, I'm talking plaintiff's lawyers, and I'm talking ones that know how to go milk. It's just not all lawyers are bad, just most of them. And by the way, if you want to comment on that, my email is Darren at DarrenYancey.com. But the reality of the situation, folks, American lawyers – had a big part to play in mass exodus of manufacturing in the first place. They're not stupid. They're going to read the laws. They're going to see, oh, okay. So that's what we can do with guns over here. Oh, what can we do with industries A through Z? Everything that would be manufactured in the United States would have the risk of being liable for end user actions. Not products defects, end user actions. You cannot segregate and set the American firearms manufacturing sector alone and discriminate against it and say, this one, we're going to torture and we're going to set fire and hell and brimstone, all that, but we're not going to do it to everybody else. It doesn't work that way. And thus, another manufacturing crisis would be created. Another exodus of jobs would occur. Further pressure would be put on the American middle class, on labor, to find jobs. And we would be increasing the threshold for poverty in the United States. In short, that policy by itself would be a disaster. Yet we have a sitting president. First off, this is the same guy that, by the way, said, you know, I know some of these uh, uh, economic actions against Vlad uh, could be bad for America, but you're just going to have to suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> This is the same guy that said, I'm going to put forth economic actions that are going to hurt you. Now, I want to put forth a policy 
designed at a specific sector because they hate guns. But that policy could put manufacturing of everything in this United States at risk. And, and it would have no limit. You can say, well, I manufacture soap. It's not going to hurt me. I just do things, wash people. Well, unfortunately, there's evil people out there. And if Johnny B. Evil one night gets a hold of your soap bar and decides to shove it down the throat of somebody else and they choke to death, well, guess what? You're on the hook. Now, are these extreme examples? Yes, they are. But, folks, these examples have been used by the legal profession to annihilate manufacturing in the past, to annihilate energy in the, in the past. They're, right now, they're trying to, to cripple energy companies on this the climate lie. This current set of legal professionals in the plaintiff's associations are destroying the American trucking industry because they're trying to go through and find everything that they possibly can to do these called what we call nuclear lawsuits. I've done shows on them. I saw one the other day. I, I haven't done it in a while. A, almost a billion-dollar payout for one guy. I'm sorry. How does he work a billion dollars? I know it's not going to get paid, but it, it's, it, it could bankrupt that trucking company. What happens? One bad trucker, maybe. 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 We don't know that it was him. And the whole business is gone. No drivers. No dispatch. That load may or may not go somewhere else. It hurts the economy. Now, I'm not saying that the legal system doesn't serve its point, and I'm not saying it's not needed. Oh, that really... I think I threw up in my mouth when I said that. Um, <clears throat> okay. To a degree, they're needed. Because there are bad actors out there. But there's got to be limits. There's got to be structure. And what Joe Biden is putting forth has none because he wants to put firearms manufacturers out of business. And here's, here's the screwed up part, as if it wasn't screwed up enough. What Biden doesn't actually understand is that by even saying something like this, see, he's only focusing on what I would call the per well, we call it the personal side of the firearms business. These same people, these same companies make military weapons for the U.S. military. They may have separate accounting divisions. There may be separate assembly lines. But these companies make firearms for the U.S. military. They make weapons, serious weapons. You're going to put them out of business? You're going to, you're going to disarm our military? That's the problems that we have with these policies right now. We've seriously got bad, bad, bad problems with these policies. And now he proposes to do something else. Now, do I sit here and tell you and think that I think it'll pass? No, I don't. Am I also going to sit here and tell you that um, you should be inactive? No, I think you should be ringing up again. The representatives in the House and the senators in the Senate and let them know no form 
of liability removal for manufacturers or anybody else in the United States should even be discussed or tolerated. Now, where would you find these people, you might ask? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Go to the informationedge.net. Go up to government sites. We've got congressional site links. Ooh, buddy. We got them for the House, all the committees, the Senate. We've even got the full, full roll. So you can go in and create your own email list because you got all the emails. And I'd recommend you do this. You need to have one for the House. You need to have one for the Senate. If you've got certain committees you like to do. And, and this is the kind of stuff you can go and say, hey, Joe has said this. If you, is he committed, considered this, 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 and this? Boom, send an email. Go to 100 senators. Go to 335 U.S. House reps. Boom. And if a few million of you do it, they go, oh, somebody's paying attention. And yes, somebody's paying attention. All right, folks, we are running out of time. Let's do a little housekeeping real quick. Um, you can follow me on social media at InfoEd65 on Twitter. We'll see what happens with Elon. I, I, I find this fascinating that he's made an offer for Twitter and they're looking to take the poison pill. And what's even more fascinating is why in the hell is Congress concerned about if he buys it? And I see these people, well, you can take his money and he could be doing uh, uh, social this and social that. You, you stop. It's his money. If he wants to put it in a pile, urinate on it, put some gas on it and light it on fire. He can do it, as can you. You follow me on Gab and Getter, which is where I'm doing a lot right now. It's at DGNC65. That's at DGNC65. Again, the website is informationedge.net. Sign up for the newsletter. Uh, more and more of you are. I've got another one coming out. And um, I want you to have a great Easter weekend. Remember that God loves you. And in spite of all the insanity that's going on, we still live in the greatest country on God's Greek earth. We just got to do some tweaks. We got to get some rats out. We got to make some policy changes and we can lead by example, but it takes you. It takes me. It takes everybody out there to get involved. This is Darren Yancey host for the information edge podcast. I'm going to be back next week. We have a guest coming in from uh, America first legal. And until then, God bless you. God bless the United States of America. And if you're in Texas, peace. Thank you for tuning in to the Information Edge. Please join your host, Darren Yancey, again next Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central, and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share then.